Joseph Rocha is running for Congress. And I want to tell you right out here and now, the website is Rocha, R-O-C-H-A, 4-F-O-R, Congress.com, if you want to check him out and help him out against Daryl Issa, Republican, who, uh, well, we'll get into more about him as we go, but certainly uh, someone who uh, is right now as Democrats are organizing, and certainly as we're seeing the energy in California, vulnerable to a challenge. And Joseph Rocha is somebody who is formidable, a Navy and Marine Corps veteran. Uh, he was somebody who worked hard to uh, get the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy lifted as a gay service member. He was a key advocate uh, who really helped to make that happen. And he joins me to talk all about that moment 10 years ago, Today, uh, the ban on gays and lesbians serving in the military happened, and it was because of activism of so many people and so many people serving in the military. Joseph Rocha, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. I am tremendously honored to be here. I uh, appreciate it. So talk a little bit first about uh, 10 years ago and what happened and what led up to it uh, and, and, and really the uh, enormous uh, energy of people like yourself. You um, were somebody who faced uh, the hate and discrimination growing up gay. Uh, you uh, faced it even in your own family, thrown out of your home. Uh, you served in the military. You were somebody who... Um, Serve this country during a very important time. Uh, you came back and and you um, also fought for uh, marriage equality and against uh, Prop 8 and then uh, focused on Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Talk a little bit about uh, your background and what happened 10 years ago. Sure. Thank you. I mean, I think I, I would first want to start with really describing the policy, right? I, I am surprised to even today, how many people really think that it was as simple as don't ask, don't tell, right? That as long as you did not identify outwardly as a gay person, that you would be safe. Uh, and in fact, I made that same mistake. So when I was 18 years old, like many service members, I wanted to, um, I wanted a way out. I wanted to serve my country. I was a, uh, you know, a child of the 9-11 time. I grew up during that time. Um, and I had a very difficult childhood. I wanted to contribute to this country um, and, and join something bigger than myself, right? Like, this is what we hear. Um, I actually filled out my paperwork when I was 17 years old because I wanted to join so bad and walked in to sign it when I was eligible on my 18th birthday. So my documents actually state my birthday as my enlistment date. Um, and, you know, at that age, I barely knew I was gay. I hadn't uh, I wasn't in love. I wasn't married. And so I, too, very naively was able to say, well, hey, as long as I stay within the lines, follow the rules, the law will protect me and I will be safe and I can have a meaningful and successful career. And as we all know now, I mean, they're under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, they could go through your things. They could read your journals. They could um, they could send people to go to gay clubs um, just to stake you out, to see if you were there, to catch you there. Um, you know, you were afraid to go to a movie with a date because you didn't know who you might run into and that, that high severe cost of just being on a date, right? So um, that's a little bit about my background. Um, you know, to your point about repeal, 
repeal efforts had been made previous to the one that was successful. And the reason why they failed is because they didn't put service members uh, at the front. Um, this repeal effort was successful because we started to hear the stories of service members, the way, um, you know, the great costs, the loss, the sacrifices that they made under this policy. And frankly, it just became uh, unpalatable to the majority of the country. We saw within years, um, you know, polling go from most service members and most individuals being against repeal to after hearing, um, after service members taking the sacrifices of sharing their stories, that polling dramatically, um, I guess, moving in favor of either repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell or allowing um, service. Uh, open and it, it was an effort that had to be hit from all sides, certainly among politicians and certainly in Congress, but also in the courts. Uh, you testified uh, before the Department of Justice as a principal witness in federal court challenge uh, that ultimately ruled don't ask, don't tell unconstitutional. Tell us more about that. And, and as you say, it was about uh, service members telling their stories, and that was a perfect example. Yeah, so that case was actually, uh, you know, V versus uh, Secretary Donald Rumsfeld. That's how old that case was. And it had to be amended to Secretary Gates by the time I was invited to be um, a, a principal witness. Um, it was by far, you know, one of the greatest honors of my life. I got to testify before federal courts um, and just be one example of how much harm this government policy, uh, this law was uh, hurting its men and women who were volunteering, mind you, to serve their country, oftentimes, like in my case, thousands of miles from home, and in my case, and in many other cases, as teenagers by their superiors, just absolutely um, you know, impossible to stomach for too many Americans. Uh, and so with the case, uh, by the time I joined the case, there was already some rumors or like murmurs of people saying, well, gee, isn't a bill going to the House floor and do we really even need this case and isn't this case moot? And I'm you know, very grateful to everyone who kept that case on the tracks because um, what actually happened is the first votes was actually unsuccessful. The first vote to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, the same year that it was actually repealed, failed. Um, and then, coincidentally, because we kept the train on the tracks, uh, Judge Virginia Phillips ruled Don't Ask, Don't Tell unconstitutional through our case. Um, I'm specifically cited as an example of why it's a violation of the First Amendment, because as a teenager overseas, I had to choose between my physical safety and my career. And she ruled that was a violation of the First Amendment. Um, and then, sure enough, uh, that ruling arguably gave a few members of Congress who were on the fence about, you know, the political consequences of voting, which was dumb, frankly, because it was already a majority of the country wanted to see it gone. Um, uh, finally, that second vote was the one that brought it home and was successful. And I can't leave out, of course, that Congressman Darrell Issa voted against uh, the repeal. Oh, and we're, we're going to get to him in a minute, but I, I want to point out how, you know, you served in the Navy and uh, you told your story, you were part of getting uh, this heinous policy repealed. And then following repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, you rejoined the military and became a Marine Corps captain and a prosecutor. Tell us about that, your second time, you know, back in the military and, 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 and gaining that kind of experience as well. 
I mean, honestly, you know, I get chills just hearing you talk about it. You don't get, when you're in survival mode, you don't get a lot of opportunity to reflect on the process of surviving, right? Um, so yeah, absolutely, thank you. Um, let's see. So the entire time during my advocacy, from being in front of the judge under oath, telling her that my goal was to return to service, to everything I wrote and spoke to, um, the goal was always to return to service. Um, you know, they say a new story lasts a couple of weeks. Mine lasted several years. And I have to, I, I would ask myself why. And it, it probably had to do with the fact that, you know, without any team or coaching or training or managers, I never spoke down on the military. I always made the issue, the policy. I love my country. I love my service. And I just wanted to be able to serve with the values that they had taught me, right? Honor, courage, and commitment. So, um, and we saw that beautiful testimony from Admiral Mullen when he was before uh, Congress, when he said, this comes down to a matter of integrity. So I was successful in becoming a, an attorney, a Marine Corps officer, and then a judge advocate. Um, as a judge advocate, uh, and towards the end, my last rotation was as a prosecutor. Um, you know, it allowed me, it was actually very cathartic. I learned a lot of things that felt very personal during my own personal time in the service that were done poorly or done wrong. Um, being a prosecutor and in the military justice system, I was just able to heal a little bit as I better understood the system. Um, and I mean, I think something else I don't want to leave out is one, I appreciate you actually even making this topical, right? So many people have forgotten about Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and certainly Don't Ask, Don't Tell repeal or, or the sacrifices that were required to get us to today. When I was in the service in the Marine Corps, my, seven, my 18, 19-year-old Marines were, what, seven or eight when this policy was repealed um, and babies when it was actually in effect. In a way, it was heartening because that was the dream, right? That these that a new generation would rise who would never know this this thing. I mean, I I would have the incredible um, honor of, of being at um, at say uh, promotion ceremonies where a marine would have her partner there, just like anyone else, and would literally not even know that that wasn't something that I would ever have dreamed of. Mm -hmm. um, so. You are like everything you've just said, um, and, and everybody listening, I'm sure, agrees uh, exactly what ex exactly the experience and what we need in Congress for sure. And you've got you've got it all behind you and ready to take on the challenges. And you decided to run for Congress in Southern California, where you grew up, and taking on Daryl Issa, Republican Daryl Issa in California's 50th congressional, 50th congressional district. Uh, just talk a little bit uh, briefly about why you decided, hey, this is where I want to go now. Uh, well, I mean, the look, I'll tell you about the legislative side first, right? Like, I became a lawyer because I myself and a lot of my loved ones were hurt by very bad laws. Um, so I became a lawyer because I wanted to make a difference. Um, now I'm becoming a legislator because I want to make sure those laws are written well, because at the end of the day, you can be a fantastic lawyer and you're going to spin out if the law is bad because mm -hmm. you hit a ceiling. Right. So the laws right. have to be written well. And a, a perfect example is actually don't ask, don't tell repeal, which is th the repeal occurred because service members were willing to sacrifice and tell their stories. But when it was repealed, they actually forgot about those service members. It was written in mind 
forward thinking with new people who wanted to join. It completely forgot and left out and left no path for people like myself who wanted to rejoin. So it took me an extra year to get back into the military because I was labeled through systems as a criminal, a criminal like anybody else who had no chance of getting back into the system. Systems that, mind you, don't speak to each other. Another thing that legislation should fix. Um, and so that's that's the legislative angle. As to why Daryl Issa, well, I was still in uniform only a couple hundred miles away from the Capitol when I and all of us watched in horror, something that honestly, I don't think anyone could even imagine uh, to imagine our capital under attack by domestic terrorists, um, just unfathomable. Uh, I watched in horror and then I watched probably an equal amount of horror to watch our congressmen then vote against certifying the valid election of the president, which is the specific purpose, reason, um, you know, heartbeat for which why those domestic terrorists were there. So emboldening their cause. Um, that is, frankly, there's no way around it. That is a violation of his oath. Um, I, having been under oath for nearly 17 years, um, uh, and so I started to pay very close attention uh, and, and, and consider a race. Um, then I watched him vote against uh, the first January 6th commission effort uh, when we had uh, our own men and women in blue wanting answers. And at the time, we had only lost one Capitol Police officer. We then lost more. But at the time, even the family of that lost uh, Capitol Police officer was requesting Congress to get answers. So voting against democracy, voting against our law enforcement officers, uh, and then again, uh, finally, uh, you have a member of Congress who's worth hundreds of millions of dollars in the class of people who are the only people who made a profit during the pandemic vote against something as it, it would be satirical if it wasn't true, voting against lifting children out of child poverty. So this is a district that is hurting, who has a congressman who is not listening uh, and who has betrayed his oath. And as, as we've discussed, you know, having a very difficult childhood, um, you know, lacking a support system, um, you know, really only caring about trying to make the environment around me a little better for others so that they don't have to go through what I go through or went through. Um, this, uh, this is a call to duty. Um, I do it out of a dedication and commitment to service. Um, and I want to bring that that fight, that service, and that representation, representation to this district, fight and service back to Washington. And so, yeah, now I want to talk more about Daryl Issa. So uh, he had been uh, in Congress in the 49th Congressional District, served from 2001 up to 2019. He decided not to run in 2018. He was the wealthiest member of Congress then. I think now he's the second wealthiest, but he decided not to run in 2018 when Democrats were clearly um, going to trounce. And of course, we saw the blue wave. And then he uh, and, and Mike Levin um, was elected uh, in that district. And he's somebody we've had on the program uh, many times and during that race as well. And then um, Trump had nominated him to be the director of the U.S. Trade and Development Agency. Uh, so he's, you know, playing with Trump and still, you know, pandering to Trump. And then he decides to run in uh, the 50th congressional district, which is where he is now. He won in 2020. 
so he's somebody who clearly, uh, you know, is sort of, I think, cowardly because he was afraid in 2018 and then just decided to find another district to run in where he thought he could be more competitive. Talk a little bit about that and the district, which is um, Riverside, much of Riverside County, parts of San Diego County, and which we now saw galvanized in this recall uh, effort against the recall of Gavin Newsom. Yeah, so um, I went to middle school and high school in Riverside um, after my mother lost my custody. She struggled with substance abuse, and I've been in Southern California since I was seven. Um, I, I have served under four different presidents um, and four different administrations, and I have never seen the level of division um, led by individuals like Daryl Issa the way that we see today. Um, I think it is tremendously dangerous, the lengths through which politicians like Daryl Issa are willing to um, stoke division and spread lies and misinformation uh, for the sake of, I guess, raising money or staying in office. Uh, Daryl didn't even have the courage to see through his last election uh, in the 49th with Mike Levin. And rather than you know having an honorable race and losing, he just ditched it. Um, and so he his constituency in the process and now came to the 50th, um, you know, entered a vacuum uh, with the the previous congressman uh, here being convicted. um, And he figured that nobody would notice, right? That that he's he's a Republican, they'll vote him in. At the time he tied himself to Donald Trump. As we learn more and more about, you know, he actually put out yard signs that said Trump conservative or Trump Republican. Um, as we learn more and more about the former president's involvement in what <laughs> appears to be a coup uh, and, uh, and the many laws that he broke in the process, uh, I'll be interested to see if those signs go back up. And if they don't, I'll be sure to make a point of it. But um, so Daryl is now here, but he has just as well abandoned this district as he did the 49th. Again, he has literally voted for nothing uh, since he's represented this district. I think something that makes him very vulnerable is that he is no longer the 20 something year incumbent of the 49th. He's now the eight month or so uh, representative of the 50th who is not delivering and I'm pretty sure doesn't even live here. Um, and so that's a very different race. Um, and that's a race that I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to you know, fight my heart out for, to give this district um, representation again. Uh, I think to the point of division and saying, just going back to don't ask, don't tell repeal very quickly, um, you know, again, served under four presidents, never seen an environment like the one that we're in right now, and something that really alarms me, again, along the trend of the Daryl Issa Republicans, um, is this this folk, this concerted effort to um, to politicize the armed forces. Right? Uh, I have never heard people disrespect, certainly not politicians, disrespect our senior military leaders the way they regularly do now, um, and that I, I, that is so dangerous. Um, our, you know, mm-hmm. there's nothing more important than the chain of command in the military. Um, and we should trust the generals to do their job. So certainly have oversight, but the way that, um, that, that politicians are currently attacking generals doing their jobs, I think is disgraceful. 
there's so much more we could talk about, including um, the pandemic and how Republicans have been horrendous and certainly what the people in the district care about. I- I'd love to have you more uh, back on uh, some more uh, so we can talk about it. Uh, and I want to tell people again to uh, go to the website Rocha for Congress. R-O-C-H-A-F-O-R Congress.com. Joseph Rocha, so great to have you on the program today. Yeah, thanks. I just want to remind everybody that the path to the majority to maintain the majority lies in California 50. Um, you know, Daryl Issa is vulnerable and even Cook Report just upgraded this district, naming him as one of the most vulnerable Republicans in Congress. So I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you for, um, you know, keeping Don't Ask, Don't Tell um, and its repeal and its service members. Um, uh, a topical. And uh, thank you so much. This is fantastic. And, and so glad you mentioned that about uh, Cook Political Report. He can be beaten and people should do what they can. Uh, at Joseph C underscore C underscore Rocha on Twitter as well. Thank you, Joseph Rocha, for coming on the program today. We're back in a couple of minutes. This is the Michelangelo Senior Ellie Show on Sirius XM. 